morning. Welcome to the Old School podcast about the American education system, its traits, its qualities, its quirks, its quizzical natures, its foibles, its picadellos, and possibly even solutions insofar as you know the solutions. Good morning here, Dr. Bourgeois. Um, good afternoon, Herr Miller. Are we like pretending that it's morning, even though it's 4.06 p.m. Central Time? Uh, I, w- I didn't know I was saying morning, but uh, we could have <laughs> gone with it. But uh, now we have stopped down the program to give the listener a peek behind the curtain that this is ah. actually afternoon. It's not even Saturday. No. It's typically, it's but- typically when we record. It's a... Uh, yeah. It's a work week, I know, because normally in, during the podcast, I'm drinking uh, coffee, and now I'm, drink, I'm drinking a, a Moscow Mule, if you know what that is. Yes. Uh, just tell me you're not using sugar-free ginger ale. No, it has sugar in it. Uh, okay, good. I, yeah, I don't have um, ginger beer, so I'm stuck with uh, ginger ale. It's not bad, but I do have the the um, copper mug, and that, that really makes the experience do you think the mug and the properties that make up that mug somehow lend to the drink yeah or is it just is it just um aesthetics did you take chemistry here miller no Uh, i think it's chemistry or physics but the (laughs) did you take chemistry (laughs) it's sort of like a type of a conductor i don't know but it it actually sweats on the outside which um it has the effect of melting the ice and warming things, not making it more cold. So you get all this ice and lime and um, vodka and all of that, and they kind of meld together. And, and then you have the cool mug, which uh, by itself, you could drink anything in it. But um, that's the experience, Moscow Mule. I don't know anything about that chemistry. I was told some time ago to be wary of mugs presented to you by students made with lead-based paint. But uh, outside of that, <laughs> uh, that's about as much chemistry as I have any kind of understanding of. Well, I never studied it. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to get through high school with like one year of biology. Um, no physics, no chemistry, Um I don't know if there are any science, other sciences. Why would I know? I didn't study them in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, My uh, favorite comedian, Nate Bargazzi, talked about going to a math class, and it, all it had on the front of the textbook was math. You know, what, you know. So that's that's basically the kind of math I took in high school. <laughs> it just it didn't have any kind of specialization, just math across just, the top. So. You're like one of the, you're like a sweat hog. Weren't you? <laughs> it's, it's, as it relates to mathematics. Yes. I <laughs> okay. So, but uh, anyway, so, um, well, we have um, various things going on in the world of education. Um, one of the things that has made the news has to do with strikes. Now, as it happens, it's not in this country. Although there are certainly plenty of examples in recent years of strikes happening in this country with teachers. Teachers uh, striking? Yes, teachers striking. And uh, the current one is in London. Oh. And uh, we will not endeavor to speak on that because... We won't? That's, well, I mean, you can if you want, if you feel like you got a grasp of the issues. Well, I haven't, I haven't read the news story, but uh, one big union is, is what I say. 
Ah, okay. Well, uh, that's I guess that's where we can start. Now, the thing is, is that we come from uh, two states that are extremely pro-union. Uh, you from Michigan. You uh, also one of the millions who have fled Michigan. I don't know if the two are related, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you from Michigan, me from the great state of Maryland. And uh, did you have any experiences as a student? I mean, did teachers ever strike? I mean, was it something that you ever came across at any point in your school days? Um, no, but I, I had um, as as a teacher. Um, and actually as a, yeah, I think as, as a, a teacher, um, in Oregon, in Ohio and in Michigan, um, there, I was certainly aware of the union presence. And while I was in Oregon, I think I was a, a I was coaching. That's what it was. I think I was coaching or, or maybe I was a, a student teacher, but there was a strike going on at that time. You were a strike breaker. Uh, no, no. So okay, okay. My father <laughs> was a teacher, so I wasn't going to cross the line to be a substitute teacher or something, whatever the heck I was. So no, I, I, I stepped aside. I think I had a, a tennis coaching position too, and I, and so I had to vacate that for a, a few weeks. And, Do you uh, recall the reasons for the strike? Um, no. Um, I don't know if it had to do with pay. That's sometimes that that becomes important. Um, I I bet it had to do with with retirement and benefits because that was because come to think of it, they did really really well in Oregon on those retirement benefits. It's shocking how well they did. So <laughs> I bet they were re, um, working on that. And and in my wisdom, I left Oregon and and moved to Texas. <laughs> well, our retirement plan here in Texas is not. <laughs> anything to sneeze at you know so. i was about to reach for my my uh, kleenex hell um, <laughs> you hair miller right. and, uh, if, if we had put in our 25 plus in oregon we, we would uh we'd be sipping something different than moscow mules that's all i can say well one might suggest that the whatever uptick in retirement pensions in oregon is more than taken up by the elevated uh, cost of living in Oregon. So, uh, are you sure? I mean, your, your father did quite well in retirement. He, he seemed to be pretty jolly most of the time. And so maybe he was living pretty high off the hog, you know? So. Yeah, I, th I think that it, it, it's probably quite a, quite a bit better, but, but you're right. I mean, as far as the overall economy, I mean, that's, that's a different whole different question. I don't, I don't know that either of us can talk about economic policy like that but, but I see, yeah but but strikes we're we're all about it you know i mean i mean you're from maryland didn't you didn't you participate in a strike as well i did not although to be fair my time in maryland was not as a teacher but as a student and as a college student learning to be a teacher as a substitute uh you know the greatest uh, the kind of the more indelible memories i have of unions and Maryland are not necessarily positive ones. And so, and it's just, it's mainly seen through a child's eye, you know, but, um, you know, my father worked uh, for a steel company in Baltimore and, um, you know, they went on strike and it was, I think it was around, I think it was around Christmas. 
and uh, the strikers were trying to push for, uh, as I recall, although I was quite young at the time, but you know, better, better wages, better benefits, not unlike what those Oregon teachers were striking about. And my recollection and what I remember my father talking about, my father just being upset about, you know, rich union guys telling, you know, working class diffs, you know, hanging there a little bit longer without a paycheck, you know, and, and again, this could be colored by how I perceived the strike. And my perception is that it happened around Christmas because there was Christmas was canceled. Oh my so, God. well, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty rough uh, month or so. As I recall, like I said, it's, it's been a while, but I think that kind of colored my perception of unions. And it's not to, not to cast aspersions on unions as a whole. They've been a very necessary and vital part of the protection of workers, particularly in the face of kind of rapacious, you know, uh, attitudes by the owners and, 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 and uh, uh, operators of uh, industry. The question is, though, do, do you think that a teacher has an obligation not to strike? Uh, no. No. <laughs> well, no. Um, I mean, if they're if they're part of the union, and, and in in many places you you're, you don't have a choice, right? You're in the union. I know that that's how it was in Ohio and, and Michigan, but sure. No, you go along. I mean, what 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 are, what is the alternative? Well, no. I mean, the, the part of the alternative has to be to consider the impact that it has on students. You know, one of the things that have come out of um, you know the COVID era, and I say that with the fervent hope that we are out of that era by now. But I mean, I think part of the part of the kind of the takeaways that we have is the degree to which the disruption in student education has put them woefully behind where they were projected to be not a mere three years ago. And, you know, when you talk about, you talk about whether someone has the, the right to strike or they should strike, not the right to strike, but I mean that they should strike. I think part of it, it has to do with weighing what is perceived to be the repercussions of it. What are the consequences of a bunch of teachers walking out for an extended period of time? Well, I've pulled up the story from 1987 in Eugene, Oregon. So where, where I was, uh, I must have been student teaching there and coaching. But um, it, it was a month long. So that definitely, and so they were using replacement teachers, and that's the nice way of saying it, uh, sure. for a month. Um, and I'll read a little bit of this. It said, tensions grew after replacement teachers were hired last week. Teachers arrested for disorderly conduct this week tried to thwart the hiring of non-union replacement teachers with tactics including blocking the path of a bus with re replacements aboard. So it was a, I told you, I, I grew up on the rough streets of Eugene. <laughs> I think it's the only time it's ever been characterized as such, you know. That's right. um, you know in so general, I, I mean, what? why don't you answer that question? Because, I, I mean, as... It, it, I guess if you're in a union, what, I mean, what, what are you going to hold out because you're worried about uh, teaching and, and having students miss your wisdom for a couple of weeks? 
Well, I, th- I think if it's only a couple of weeks, I mean, and also if you're in a state where it's kind of mandatory that you're a part of the union, I mean, you're, the, the decision is taken out of your hands. You don't you don't have a choice. And so right. you know, there's there's that aspect of it, you know, but um, I'm torn about it. You know, we live in a state where teachers do not have the right to strike. They, I mean, I guess they could, uh, but technically, you know, it would be forbidden for them to kind of just walk off the, the walk out of the classroom. And I sometimes am torn by every time I hear about strikes, I think the first thing I want to hear about is what is the issues about which they're striking? Because if we're talking about capricious demands, then, or at least capricious in the sense of not being what I consider to be urgent, then you have to question, you know, the idea of them striking. Um, but I do wonder what I would do. I mean, I, you know, if I was in a union state, if I was back home in Maryland and the teachers went out on strike, I guess I'm going home. Now, I don't know if I'd be out there picketing. I guess it depends on the issue and what I feel and think about the issue. But, you know, there are there is the idea in U.S. history, the notion about whether or not certain professions should strike. Now, typically it has to do with safety, public safety. Correct. You know, and so. Perhaps the most recent example um, was about the notion of um, uh, the air traffic controllers back in the early 80s. You may recall. That's the uh, most recent example? It's the most recent example of a well, kind of a showdown were, between government workers. Okay. It's memorable for yes. us, but we're really old. That's true. Uh, there is another I'm going to bring up because it, it stands in contrast, but, you know, Ronald Reagan, president of the United States at the time, uh, air traffic controllers going out on strike. Uh, Reagan threatened the air traffic controllers that he would fire every single person who walked off the job. And in doing so, he he basically echoes an early political uh, mentor, Calvin Coolidge, who, when he was busting up a police strike in Boston in 1919, suggested that nobody has the right to strike against the public safety. So there's the idea that certain occupations cannot strike simply because of what it would mean societally if they do. Now, not coincidentally, those unions are some of the strongest unions around. And whatever the police union wants or whatever air traffic controllers or GSA or the other unions related to government workers, those folks tend to get it because you can't have them walking off on the job. Um now, recently, uh, railroad workers were going to go out on strike. And President Biden basically said, you can't do that. Now, for President Biden, the concern was economic. The concern was a question of the availability of goods, the continuation of the economy, trying to get the economy going in the right direction. Eventually, the administration and the union hashed out an agreement. President Biden's initial reaction is you cannot go on strike. The impact would be too great. So there is a kind of, there's a kind of a, a, a there's an idea that you can't strike if it's against the public safety. Uh, it has been made most recently, although I'm sure it's been done before, that you can't strike because of the economic impact it might have on the country. And so we now come back to teachers. The notion of whether teachers should be allowed to go on strike or not do you think that there's any consideration that should be made towards the impact on students? 
Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, with with states like Texas, they they wrote that into their laws, and, and that that's the way it is. So I, I'm I'm just talking about if if you're in in one of those states with with unions, you know, I don't think there's any reason to uh, to I, I'm I'm sure some people do go back, and it's a personal personal choice, right? Um, but um, you know. I think it it is important to think the, the long term. You know, they're they're negotiating for, usually for things that that will affect them and their kids and their um, retirements and and all kinds of things. Um, so you're you're kind of weighing that with uh, the damage potentially for for missing missing school days. Mm-hmm. So with the so with this idea about whether or not teachers should strike, there's another element about unions yeah. and about education that often get discussed. And perhaps more so than the strikes, it represents, at least to some people's mind, the bigger threat. And that is what unions do to protect bad teachers. And I, uh, I can't remember if I told the story or not. I must have. I'm sure I must have. But uh, you can stop me if you... I'll stop you right in the middle of your second. <laughs> stop. The problem is you and I have talked so much privately, then it, it might get a bit confusing. But, you know, we had a, I was in college. It was a public university, state university. Uh, little note uh, or prestige, but, um, <laughs> but, but it meant well. So, <laughs> so I had an economics class and I had a teacher. And that teacher was, to put it politely, uh, uh, horrible. This is like uh, a, a university level class, is that right? University level class. So they're called professors, Herr Miller. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so uh, I think that deep down inside, we're all teachers. But whatever, if you care to make uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of value judgments, you have okay. that degree. You call yourself a professor. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so at the end of the school year, uh, he walks out. And in comes in graduate assistants to hand out evaluations. Ah. And I remember when the graduate assistant got to me to hand me the copy of the evaluation, I said that I'm not filling that out. And the young lady in question seemed rather perplexed. (laughs) And I told her, I said, assuming he did not get this bad overnight, this guy has been bad for a while. And yet he was still my teacher. So it suggests that there's absolutely no value whatsoever to me filling out this evaluation. What does the that guy mean? Still, huh? Uh, I mean, they do it every term, every course. Yes, I know. I understand. And, and so you're saying that he's had other ones, so you don't have to do it? My, my point is, is that I cannot have been the first person that filled out an evaluation talking about how horrible this guy was. I mean, but and this is so not, not a special one. I mean, they didn't like just have to hand one out. They did it for every last professor you had. Oh yeah, I understand. Okay, so understand. Your, your logic is 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 a bit faulty. So you're saying you'll never fill out a evaluation of a professor on principle. I'm not going to fill out an evaluation. Certainly, I mean, I don't find value in it, and so I I don't think I would do it. I don't think I did that many of them. I, unless I really like the individual, well, and then I well, would want to kind of make that known. So you just hand it back. Yeah, that's what I did. I handed it back. Well, no, no, it. you wait till everybody's done, then you hand. You don't want no, to have no, a moment no, with no. this poor woman. No, no, just no. doing her job. And it wasn't about her. I made it very clear it wasn't about her. It was about the professor. 
So this this cantankerous spirit of yours goes way back. <laughs> it does. I'm not I'm not taking this on general principle. Um, yes, uh, th there are a couple of purposes. I'm yelling of of, of those uh, <laughs> evaluations. It's also informative. I mean, the professors read and and they get to learn the pulse of their students, know what they're doing well, what they're not. Um, so it's not just evaluative; it has another function as well. I'm saying it doesn't really matter what the function is of that particular survey. It doesn't matter because the same teacher with the same degree of incompetence is still in front of me. And I got charged the same amount of money as I did for the teacher who was good. One of the knocks on unions is that it is a vehicle through which uh, bad teachers are protected. And you go to any school and you can talk to any teacher and they can tell you which ones probably have no business being in the classroom. But because of the fact that they may be considered vested, uh, may be considered, you know, whatever term you want to use, they are protected by union policies. Now, this gets into the question about what the point of union is. Now, certainly you could say that every year, all the time, there are things that unions help teachers with, to deal with, to manage, to overcome, to move out of the way as far as an obstacle. But beyond that, there is still the issue that bad people are protected. Is there any validity to the question of unions in light of that kind of a stance? Sounds like this is a political debate up on the stage. Here, <laughs> uh, I, I'm just asking questions. I'm curious. Well, um, we would have to have some data to show if, they, if they're keeping more bad teachers up in union states than down here mm. in, in Texas. Um, I, I think that everybody has due process and the union is not trying. I mean, if you ask them, they wouldn't say, oh, yeah, we want to keep bad teachers. That's why we're here. <laughs> they're going to say we want to ensure that the teachers, you know, good or bad, have, have due process. Uh, and if they're going to be fired or transferred or anything that affects their jobs, they need to ha have a, a process that's fair. So they're, they're ensuring process. It's not about keeping bad teachers. So, so I, I don't, I know that there is a, an impression that it's, you know, in union states, it's hard to get rid of teachers. Um, teachers do have a lot more power. Um, and the dynamic between the teacher and say the school administration is quite different. Um, I mean, if you sit in a faculty meeting up north uh, and down here, it's very, very different. Um, the and the the teachers have a lot more control and say in in, in how the schools run in in union states. It, you do see that sometimes. Every once in a while, you'll see it where a person from a predominantly union state will mm -hmm. come down to Texas to teach. <laughs> or just for whatever reason, you know, because yeah, yeah. their their spouse had a job or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I got a I got a I got a friend of mine. He's a colleague. He is from Long Island, and um, I will tell you, you have not been berated um, uh, like you would be if, by somebody with a Long Island accent, with <laughs> a Long Island level of indignation with uh, the kind of indignation that comes from a previous career completely protected by union rules and guidelines and what have you. And then you come into the wild west of Texas where basically 
they're trying to get it with the administration and and I say administration with a big A talking about everybody. But there's the idea that, you know, try to get as try to milk as much as you can out of the teachers without paying uh, as possible. You're going to get an education about what life is like for teachers in other places. Oh, yeah. And I mean, as, as far as uh, teachers and their time during the day, I, I can recall being in, in Ohio and it, it became a problem that when a teacher was absent, that they would have other teachers cover their class. And yeah. I'm sure they had a shortage of substitutes. It's not, and I'm sure it's even more a problem now. But that became something that you almost expected every day. Oh, where do I need to go? Boom. And so you're not getting your planning period, which is something that is in your contract. Mm. Um, so that so that was a union type thing. I remember you know having to because it, it really bothered me, you know, to have to suddenly leave my planning, go cover a class, and it was annoying. And so I, I went and talked to the representation or the representative about something like that. Um, but you wouldn't, uh, I don't think, have, I mean, who would you talk to in Texas about that? Well, in Texas, they have something called UEA, the United the Education Association. Associations, right. Yes. And so the association is kind of a polite way of saying union without saying union. And so there is a UEA rep in the school. Um, but I would think of that, that title as perfunctory, you know, it really doesn't have any kind of real authority. You know, if the, if the UEA rep were to stride in, first of all, they probably would never stride into the principal's office, you know, they probably would be, um, body blocked by the, uh, by the, uh, administrative assistant first, but, um, but it, there's just there's just not that there's just not that level of confidence that a UEA uh, rep can walk into anybody's office uh, the way that a union rep could say in my home state of Maryland or Jersey or New York or places like that, and so you just you wouldn't get anything done. You know, here in Texas, it's a I get emails every day. I get emails from kids. I every once in a while I get an email from parent. I get emails every day from colleagues. I get spam email every day. And every day I get an email from this one particular person in our school that tries to get people to fill in for classes that have not been covered by substitutes. Right. And I, I, I think any complaining of it would just be met with a shrug of the shoulders and like, what are you going to do? So some, I mean, do they pay teachers for that extra? Typically, they'll do one of two things. They will either pay in money, although it's never a great deal, but I mean, it's, it's some money. Or it can be paid as for, if there's another category, I can't remember, it may have to do with like time off or what have you that you can get it paid into. So there are options available. Uh, I would not say that these options offset the hassle that it is to give up your planning period. But there is technically something that's being offered by the school. Okay. Yeah, I, I never liked it because I mean it's hard enough to manage your own class. You know, right. you train them and they are properly afraid of you, or at least know know what you expect. But then you go into another room and and you're just sort of sitting there, and, and it's it's not a fun thing. You know, you know, and, and we're talking about a different type of school than we have here. You know, where I was up in Ohio. Mm-hmm bit on the rough around the edges side. Right. Mm. 
so so you've never had an opportunity to strike um no i mean i i went from being in the military which on the whole discourages things like that <laughs> is that right <laughs> <laughs> historically you get into pretty choppy waters if you start suggesting that the military should step away from their duties but uh <laughs> uh, and then the bulk of my teaching career, <clears throat> if not my training, uh, has been in Texas. And so, you know, my my understanding of unions is secondary, perhaps tertiary uh, in its exposure. I mean, I just simply do not have a firsthand experience. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have these questions. You know, I have these questions about, you know, are unions a good thing as far as teaching goes is it it can sometimes cause more problems than it solves. Um, And I think that that's the kind of thing that tends to get talked about the most from the outside pundits on television news and that sort of thing. Well, there's a a whole category of, of schools um, charter schools, particularly and and probably private schools as well that have at will employees. So they they don't necessarily even have a continuing contract. You know, it's, it, and so you can be removed for practically any reason as long as not it's not a bad reason. Uh, right. So, well, so, so you have just being in a traditional public school, you have you have some protections that you wouldn't have because you have a contract. It does put you in rather precarious waters. Now, I would say it's the same waters that any other working man and woman might have to deal with. You know, I had. And I had a teacher complain to me one time and he said that, you know, they could just fire you, whatever. It doesn't matter. They could just fire you. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, but again, at the same time, many people face this. Many people work in places where they could get fired, you know, at a moment's notice. And so the notion that there would be teachers that fall into that program, it would not be terribly surprising. I wouldn't think. So what does that mean for the people in jolly old England? Because you started with that and you left them hanging a little bit. Well, I left them hanging because I simply, I don't know the intricacies of why they're striking. Now, I mean, the, the question is, is that, you know, does it, does it do more harm than good if the teachers are out for an extended period of time? And it wouldn't necess- the harm would not necessarily be visited upon the teacher. I guess it depends upon what happens with their pay when they are on strike. But uh, I think that the benefit goes to the teacher and the consequences oftentimes go on the student. Right. And because of the rather the kind of the mix uh, direction of uh, of effects there, I think it's something that has to be thought about a little bit more than just saying, well, we have the right to go on strike. We should go on strike. Yeah. So you would equate teachers with air traffic controllers. Well, I, no, not necessarily. I mean, air traffic controllers, of course, um, uh, they present a uh, potentially they present a, a, a very real danger, a physical danger, a life danger to right. people if they're not on their jobs. Whereas teachers. Um, you don't necessarily have a question of life or death, but you certainly have a question of uh, development, mental development, uh, behavioral development. Uh, And right now, you know, a lot of people throughout the country are dealing with the consequences of 
a kind of a state imposed strike on the schools where you were not allowed to be in the building. The kids couldn't be in the building. You were doing things on zoom, you know, that sort of thing. And there's been repercussions uh, from that, that is seen across the board, even, you know, the vaulted Finnish school system has been struggling a little bit in the last couple of years. And so it's not something that's just seen within the United States. It's seen elsewhere as, as well. And, you know, at the same time, you think about the problems that we face in education and, you know, what you attribute it to, how you attribute those problems. You know, you go also back to something we discussed uh, some episodes ago, and that's the notion of the fact that people are not signing up to be teachers and other people are leaving to not be teachers anymore. Evidence, me and May. <laughs> that's right. So, well, thank you. But, um, um, but you know, th that's something that has to be addressed and has to be thought about. At the very least, it's a, it's a viable question that needs a healthy yet still respectful debate. Well, you can tell that I tend to side with teachers on this one um, because there are repercussions to teacher turnover that are you know, pretty profound right now. And, mm. and so we, there are places, not, you know, not, not where we have taught recently, but other places where teachers do not make a living wage right. and they're technically in poverty and they can't support their families. Um, so I, I, I tend towards advocacy um, if, if pressed. Right. But again, it does, it, it does require a lot of things to be considered when you do that. But yes, I mean, there's no teacher should have to be taking a second or third job to make it in this world. No well, teacher should be in inordinately bad situations. You know, there should be some uh, <clears throat> voice there. Well, particularly if you're supporting a family, I mean, and you know, for 25 years, I, I I did, but I also did heavy, heavy moonlighting um, for all of those. You know, to to be supporting a family, and if you have a second income, then then it changes a little bit. Um, but it, but it's certainly a, a consideration. And as you get closer to retirement, um, that that would be the the sad part. You keep working, maybe take another teaching job until you're. 75 and because the retirement isn't good enough to support you full time 75 and bitter yeah and angry that sounds like you right now what the heck <laughs> um let I'm, me tell I'm, you something i yeah. am i am i'm neither bitter nor angry <laughs> i will say because right now i'm having a great essays um uh, uh, that my students wrote last week. Um, but I am somewhat emboldened by the fact that this is the penultimate bunch of essays I will ever grade for the rest of my life. Wait a minute. There's like four months of school and you're not going to grade anything until the end of the year. I'm not going to, I'm going to grade one more batch of essays. We're doing one more essay in a few weeks that the kids have to do in preparation for the AP exam. But, but then after that, I'm not saying I'm not grading stuff. I'm not grading essays. Sounds like it. Sounds like uh, you're just checking out. You're going to be wearing a Hawaiian, a Hawaiian shirt to, to class or something. It's going to be like Mark Harmon. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the scoreboard. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to try to find me some Hawaiian shirts just so I can start wearing them on those last days. Uh, you're not going to do I, it. Yes, I am. Oh, you're not, you don't like to draw attention to yourself, Ross. I'm oh, surprised you would do that. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Damn it, you're right. You're always right. right. Always got to be the center of attention. <laughs> <laughs> what did uh, Teddy Roosevelt's daughter said? 
So, uh, she wrote. She, <laughs> she wrote that her father wanted to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. You know, so it's uh, it, that, <laughs> that's that, so weird. That cannot that cannot be said of me. But okay, what are you going to do? So, all right. So that's uh, that's a topic. <clears throat> done but yeah, not quite put, dusted i don't think put that put that one to bed uh, <laughs> i don't know what the heck i'm talking about here <laughs> so i certainly don't that's why i had to <laughs> ask questions yeah but, really, um, i noticed that you're <laughs> kind of driving the no you had you had some good points here miller well I'll thank say. you yeah. well um as we go into the weekend uh we come out of this winter freeze that we have been in the past few days um did you know that we were in a winter freeze? You tend to be an indoor cat. I'm wondering if you actually knew <clears throat> there was cold temperatures outside and snow and ice on the ground. I, I stay in one room and I scare, stare at three computer screens um, and uh, my piano. That's about it. That's no, so I'm, sad. I, I heard, but I've not stepped a foot out, out of doors for the last three and a half days. You don't feel any compunction? You don't feel any kind of innate drive to just step out and just take a deep breath of nice, fresh, cold air? No, it'd fall right on your ass. I mean, <laughs> it's really bad out there. I can see it. My dog has has slipped several times just Listen, going out. Dogs will bounce right back up. They're like babies. There's no big Yeah, problem. but I don't want, if I walked on that at my age, come on. <laughs> You've been in a hospital. That's right. <laughs> yep. then, then I'd be I'd goner for sure. All right. Well, um, <laughs> as you <laughs> was that on that happy note, on that happy note, uh, as you uh, stay hidden behind your office chair, uh, hoping the zombies don't come, um, <laughs> we shall bid adieu, and I wish you a great weekend, Hair Doctor Bourgeois. Okay, Hair Miller, Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen.